0: I am joined today by the great Garrett Ziegler. Garrett is a former White House staffer who worked in the Trump White House under Peter Navarro. And he is the founder of a research group called Marco Polo. Garrett, welcome.
1: Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me on.
0: I appreciate you being here. I'm glad to finally make this happen. Um, So some of the audience will know you pretty well from a great interview you did with the professor, David Clements. And so I'm hoping to add on to that rather than kind of go through the ground that, you know, you guys kind of covered yourselves. Um, But I think it's definitely important to get some background on how you ended up in the Trump White House and what kind of stuff you were focused on while you were there.
1: Yes, so I, for 23 months, nearly two years, worked in a very small lean office under Peter Navarro, as you mentioned, the office was called the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. It was brand new. It was established under Trump in April of 2017 via an executive order. And it was established because Peter beats to his own drum. And unlike 85% of the other Trump administration staffers, he actually believed what the president believed with regards to trade, China, deindustrialization, and product dumping and undercutting, which they've been doing now for 30 years, especially in the last 20. And so Peter is a former professor at the University of California, Irvine. He taught there since, I think it was 30 years on the dot from 86 to 2016 until he joined the Trump campaign. And he had a very young staff. There were six of us Um, So I was, you know, I was one of five of his staffers, and it was an extraordinary time because most of the bureaucracy in Washington way of doing things wasn't present in Peter's office. I'll give you an example. You know, usually there is a, a, a hierarchy even to congressional staff. Like there's, you have to do your time, sort of like a state department of transportation. And so for young people to be in meetings was very rare. And Peter, you know, allowed us to do that and represent him in some meetings, which I am very grateful for. And I think it propelled me uh, and I got to see some things that, you know, there are a lot of young people in the White House in any administration because and I, and I mentioned this on David's interview, the White House was sort of like Brazil, like Brazil, there's people in gated communities and then there's favelas. And I think the White House is the same way. So I was probably one of a dozen 25 year olds, but I was only but I was one of the only 25 year olds to actually be in policy meetings and help Peter. And Peter had a direct line to to President Trump, obviously, for over five years now. And so I got a job with him after I graduated college. I did a short fellowship, which I've since been canceled from, called the John Jay Fellowship in Philadelphia. That was a semester long. You lived in a nice manor house with seven other people. It was a great time, and so I did that right after I graduated college until December. And then I went to work for Peter, and and I was hired in, in December of 18, but because of the shutdown, I didn't start until February of, of 2019. And so my story isn't that miraculous in terms of getting to the White House. I interned there in 2017. I got to, I, I knew, I known Peter since the, uh, i known of Peter since the campaign because he was another heretic. Like I said, in the Clements interview, he doesn't believe in free trade. I'm a mercantilist at heart. So, you know, that is very out of fashion today. There can is, you, yeah.
0: can you explain that a little bit? And by so, the way, would you define yourself as an economic nationalist?
1: Precisely. Because
0: that was one of the uh, kind of terms that got put out there by our side um, mm-hmm. to explain something that the media was clearly misexplaining on purpose.
1: Yeah, that was a, you know, that was a uh, a red herring by the lying press. Very simply. What economic nationalism means, as opposed to what Adam Smith wanted to do, is the ultimate uh, arbiter of what is good is what's good for the national economy. That doesn't mean we don't t- pay attention to personal utility, but Adam Smith's entire message uh, is what maximizes personal utility. I think that's important, but it's like number four in my list. You know, it, it goes family, national economy. Uh, economy of your locality and your you know, township or county or however you want to define it. But this is a fundamental difference. Everybody on the seemingly right wing in the United States, except maybe 20 percent of people, believe in uh, the economy of maximizing individual utility. I don't believe in that. I think that uh, if something benefits a person, but you end up losing the country in the meantime, you should not allow that in your regime. And it's tricky because a lot of Bolshevistic regimes also believe in that as well. China definitely believes in that. Russia definitely believes in that, and so it's a nuanced view. I want the national economy to be first, but I also don't want the state to dictate every part of your life. And what is heartening to me, and I'm very passionate about this. You can probably hear it in my voice, is that I don't have to invent anything. My views are literally just the views of the American founders. They wrote… Long letters and even books on this topic. And so all you have to do is go back and read them. And if we didn't practice that in the 19th century, we would not be where we are today. In fact, one of the reasons we have trouble beating China is because Frederick List and all the people that our founders read are being read by the Chinese right now. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing what we did except with more genocide and more brutality.
0: Well, yeah, their authoritarianism is something that mm-hmm. we never got into at all, thankfully.
1: Yeah, and we're not saying you can't – if I wanted to uh, – I like your sure microphone. The American founders wanted be, people to be able to trade freely within the country, anything with anybody except you know, uh, sinful things, and and we can go into that as well. But so we're for trade, and we're for trade amongst regimes that have – Similar currencies, similar mores, what we don't want is what we have now, which is the worst of all worlds, where our markets are open to anybody who wants to export into our markets, but other people's markets are closed, and you have to pay tariffs and, and duties and all these other things. And so the reason why I wanted to work in the White House is because the, the, President Trump is the first person in probably a half a century to think this way, even Reagan was a part of the neoliberal uh, consensus on the goodness of free trade, and I think it's been a terrible thing for the United States. You'll notice that AEI, Chris, and all these other think tanks that praise yeah. this, they talk about Africans getting richer. In the grand scheme of things, I want all people to do well in life, but if mm. Africans and, and, sub, and South Asians getting richer means more Americans dying of opioids, I don't want that trade. I would much rather have high tariffs.
0: Yeah, and I think it's their responsibility to look out for their countries. I was actually just talking about this on the episode of my podcast I just recorded. You know, looking at the situation in Afghanistan right now, it seems like there is no priority by the fake administration to get Americans out of Afghanistan first. And I was kind of just commenting on the idea that if you subscribe to this uh, global communist or globalist philosophy, then there is no justification for making a distinction on where people come from. So there's no advantage to being American. So ultimately, if all people are the same, then they move to just prioritizing those people who align with their interests. And I think that the same principle applies to the way you're discussing economics right now. It is fascinating. The responsibility. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, I was just gonna say you are bringing things to their logical conclusion. Right. Very few people are doing what you're doing. And if you follow this creed to its end, what it is, is a stateless world that is a that is managed by bureaucracies. Yes. The World Health Organization becomes the entity through which. One seeks information about how to get a hip replacement, what vaccines your children need to make, and I reject that world. I think that'll be a miserable world. The people that will run that world are the high class, uh, and high IQ Asians, whites, and Jews. That's who will run that world, and that is verifiable. That's even in the literature that those people will, and everybody else will be morale
0: Yeah, and you know, just to put a finer point on that, I don't think that you are saying that that's. The destiny of people I think you're saying that is actually What they intend For yes. their system to Yield as a result
1: Exactly It's right. it's the god of efficiency Lowercase e in their, in their case it would be the uppercase e So having nation states And boundaries in an absolute sense Is more inefficient than what they want And so they have this weird love Of efficiency and population control. And population Mm. control is a weird phrase because people conjure up views of Alex Jones talking about frogs becoming gay. What it really is (laughs) is a very century-long preoccupation, starting with Malthus, about the depletion of resources vis-a-vis the graph of the growing population. And Gates believes this in his soul if he has one, in his lizard brain more accurately. And all these people believe this. so. Uh, We have to we have to make it known that they're really worried about the Chinese getting used to the taste of beef, African women having nine children. Those are those are things that keep them up at night in in uh, Seattle, Washington, on their palatial estate. That's what they worry about.
0: It is so deranged, honestly, I, I was thinking about that this morning, just the entire idea of population control and. What they imagine they're doing all of this in service of, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's not in service of the future of the human race. And I think in some small way they know that. So they try to sell it to us by saying that they are doing it for the good of nature. You know, whether it's animal populations or, quote unquote, the planet, but. Again, we're talking about a shift in priorities away from a sovereign nation or a sovereign individual. It no longer matters what's good for the person. It matters what's good for the people as they define it, you know, Mm -hmm. and ultimately they will keep defining the people to mean them by creating continually smaller classes. Of people and we see that At work it's not something That is even really in dispute It's just really Something that people will refuse to Acknowledge
1: they'll (laughs) say oh no Well
0: their arguments are very convincing It's like very convincing For who like on whose Behalf are these arguments being Made
1: yeah and I think it's Who they're trying to get glory from If you read Jefferson and Washington and even Frederick Douglass, or uh, Booker T. Washington. They're seeking glory and recognition from their fellow countrymen. Gates, klaus Schwab, and other people are seeking glory and recognition from their other fellow travelers in the global elite party. So mm-hmm. they do not care. Gates does not care if he's lauded within the United States. What he wants is the recognition of Klaus Schwab uh, and other globalists, and so that's a very dangerous uh, you know, my dream is—I don't give a shit if any Brazilian in the history of my life ever knows my name. I couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. I just want to be known as a patriot to my fellow countrymen. But they—and that's not—I'm not even being quiche or cute or uh, melodramatic. That's what I truly want. And Gates doesn't care about that at all. No. And uh, you know, this is a very—this is this is one of the most important ideas of our lifetime. It, it, people may people listening to this are gonna are gonna think. Maybe that this is too abstract. You know, how does this affect my school district? But we see it every day. Your school district is getting textbooks written by people who don't believe in national boundaries. Literally, they think they're antiquated and stupid and inefficient.
0: Yeah, exactly. And by the way, I talk about this stuff a lot. So I think that my audience is going to be totally down with that. So you can go wild as far as the uh, the philosophy of all this, please. Um, But. Yeah, to to bring that back around again, though, you know, they are opposed in nature to the sovereign individual. They see no point whatsoever in sovereign nations. In fact, they're against sovereign nations because the United States being a fully sovereign nation means that the American order persists. And that is obviously something that they don't want.
1: Mm hmm.
0: And perhaps they think it leads to war or, I don't know, environmental degradation. Certainly not us degrading the environment primarily at at this point. But mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No,
1: no, I was just going to say it's very ironic because a lot of people in the neoconservative AEI world would count themselves as Republicans, but they too don't like sovereignty. So this is again like our conversation started out with being and being in favor of nationalist economics, where it's a nuanced view. I don't want the authoritarianism of China and other regimes, but I also want the best for what for the country as opposed to just what is best for the individual. In the same token, you know, we we have to balance what is worthy of Trying to correct in other states versus what is not. I'll give you a very clear example. If we believe in sovereign nations, how other people define what is a sin should not um, should not always inspire us to go into their nation and correct it. The common phrase to this is you know, regime change, nation building. There has to be a calculation here. I'm thinking of somebody like Tom Cotton, and I'll make it very mm-hmm. concrete for people. Mm-hmm. Tom Cotton in a degree doesn't really believe in national sovereignty. He believes in national sovereignty to a point where uh, we agree with what other states are doing. But let's say that other states like Sub-Saharan Africa do not believe that homosexuality, just as an example, believe that homosexuality is good for the state and outlaw it. Tom Cotton and a lot of the left-wingers believe that they're not sovereign, that they don't have the right to do that, Uh, and I I believe that they do. Now, it's very tricky because as a Christian, I don't want genocide to happen, and I think that we should stop it when we can. But there's always going to be states out there doing shit you don't like. And when you don't believe in sovereignty, your ability to persuade yourself to go in and fix those problems is, is going to be depleted. So on both sides of the – you know the uniparty does not believe in sovereignty, and until we fix elections and get people in there to break up the uniparty who do believe in sovereignty, we'll have the worst of both worlds. We'll be overextended. We'll care about whether gay people can marry in Kenya, and we won't focus on Detroit. Where yeah. straight black kids in Detroit are being uh, raised into horrible conditions.
0: And some of that is, you know, I talk about this a lot and I don't mean to steer us too far in this direction, but there's a reason why these blue cities in perpetually blue states with perpetually blue state legislatures and two Democrats heading to the Senate each year, there's a reason. Why the quote-unquote black and brown people in the marginalized communities continue to do so poorly. Mm-hmm. It's because they continue to be controlled by representatives of the Democrat Communist Party. Mm-hmm. It's not a mystery. Yes, and and
1: their when this election
0: is fraud thing gets solved.
1: Go ahead, creation. sorry. No, I was just going to say, there. a lot of our politicians are too weak Need to say that Both a large minority of the white population and almost a majority of the black population do not lead lifestyles that are conducive to wealth creation, safe streets, and other things. And if we do believe in the power of habits, then we know that the people who are living in those areas of the country are consistently habituating themselves in poverty, uh, drunkenness, and illegitimacy. And those are hard facts but if you don't tell people the truth, you don't really love them. So I'm willing to, you know, ruffle some feathers and try to truly love people by telling them what's going on. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I just think that there's also an element by which this stuff is uh, trained into communities. And I don't mean communities divided along racial lines. I mean that once we train people into not wanting to work, not having to work. You know, we're seeing this across the board now. The racial lines of the habituation of not working, that is being spread around the country like crazy because of the response to the coronavirus. You know, all sorts of people who were making a living as waiters or bartenders or as people who were bouncers in nightclubs or whatever Mm -hmm. else. You know, all of these people are immediately put out of work and they're getting paid a similar amount of money to stay home. So it doesn't really matter what your uh, racial or economic class was prior to the coronavirus. You're ending up in the same spot and it's Mm -hmm. being done intentionally by the same people who do it intentionally to everyone else.
1: I agree. It's no that's their futures. They want a Brazilian future with no middle class. It's very, very disheartening. And you, you can see it plain as day. They talk about what they're going to do. They do. Klaus they Schwab do. tells us what he's going to do every time.
0: Uh, you know, I've been reading um, and kind of excerpting on my telegram the uh, COVID-19, the great reset by Klaus Schwab. And it's it's right there. These yes. people aren't hiding it from anyone, which is why it's particularly annoying to be called uh some crazy conspiracy theorists because I'm actually taking their own words seriously. And it's especially annoying to be called that by people who think that masks work. Um,
1: exactly. yeah, just <laughs> quote them directly. I don't even try to paraphrase that much anymore. I, I prefer not paraphrasing.
0: Right. Um, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit because you're not a fan of, uh, the Bolsheviks around the country. I just straight up call them commies all the time. Yes. um, This isn't a mirage. You know, I got a lot of blowback while I was in Hollywood saying all of these things by my peers in Hollywood. They're like, oh, you can't just go around calling people commies. Like, what am I supposed to call them? They're out. They do argue for socialism, which is communism. They argue for all sorts of communist policies, which is communism. They vote for people who profess communist philosophies. So that's communism. They want everybody to have equality enforced upon them from the top. So that's communism. I'm like, at what point am I allowed to say what this thing is?
1: Yeah. If it, yeah. If it, if it quacks like a duck and looks like a duck and I prefer, and I just want to explain why I call them Bolsheviks because I think that What we're going through now is akin to 1918, and so Bolshevism is a flavor of communism, but it's also very militant, very organized, very technological. The Bolsheviks' tactics, Vladimir Lenin being the the ringleader of it, were very innovative for the day. And so that's what – with Jaden X and Jade Sacker, these are Bolshevistic characters who are utilizing Discord servers and everything else. Um, You know, totally blind to the irony of using Discord servers and being a Bolshevik, just knowing that that somebody had to invest to write the code for Discord. Like they used the tools that came from a non Bolshevistic society to push for a more more Bolshevistic society. And Bolsheviks were very sexually degenerate. That's what inspired the Weimar Republic. And so 100 years later, we're just seeing Bolshevistic tendencies with iPhones. And this This is replete through the professoriate There was a professor from University of Missouri this week Who was bitching about me on her Twitter page Saying I dox people I just don't like I've never doxed anybody who's not a Bolshevik in my entire life The only person I've The only people I dox are Bolsheviks Because I think they're domestic enemies
0: And we're talking about the Eric Coomers of the world Um, Exactly Yeah uh, So
1: there's many angles Let, to go with
0: from that. Sure. I know. I know. I'm like, I want to do Coomer, but I don't want to do Coomer yet.
1: <laughs> Coomer, Eric I could talk
0: Coomer. about, I could talk about commies forever. I mean, I don't Joseph know McCarthy how McCarthy was right. I just yes. Okay. So I and definitely F- want to talk about
1: himself and Joseph McCarthy was right.
0: I do. Wa- <laughs> I do want to talk about McCarthy <laughs> with you, man, because that's one of those things that people are like, well, you know, McCarthy was going after communists and then everyone was a communist and then he went just way too far and I'm like maybe
1: yeah he died but after. He we got still have commies after. now yeah he was he wasn't always right Yeah, somebody who's <laughs> listening to this is if if you read blacklisted by history you'll see when he wasn't right but 85% of the time or even more the people that he was accusing … were actually communists and in, the, in, in the 90s when it fell in 89, and the Soviet Union fell in 89, and then in the, in the 90s when all the archi- archives were unearthed, the people that he was accusing back in the 50s actually were communicating. And remember, uh, with, with the Soviets, and remember, Richard Nixon got his start by insisting what McCarthy was insisting, which is Alger Hiss was a Soviet spy, and he lied through his teeth for years… And now where your former stopping grounds are, L.A., yeah. Chinese money is just flushing into these production yes. houses. Yes. You can't make a movie critical of the CCP right now.
0: I mean, look at John Cena. You know, what are we supposed to say about John Cena? Am I allowed to call him a communist? He's literally doing communist propaganda. And if he slips up, he apologizes in Chinese.
1: I know. He's a little boy. I mean, these are not courageous people. It takes no courage to use Xi's talking points. Right. I mean, they're not willing to die for anything. They just want to save their own skin. And it's really disgusting.
0: And we've actually gotten to the point as a society, as a culture, where we are making excuses for stuff like that, saying, oh, well, you know, there's this financial interest and a lot of people's jobs depend on, you know, this film's ability to sell in China. That's an argument that gets made by our elite class. You know, this isn't just some weird thing that they talk about in antifa meetings. These are like New York Times writers who will make that argument to their everyone. Their god
1: is their belly. They're serving their belly, and so when someone's belly is their god, they all the ultimate moral calculation they make is whether I get paid or not. So if that's your moral, that's the thing you think about before you go to sleep. You're gonna live a very compromised life.
0: I think that actually in this day and age with the uh, presence of social media, the omnipresence of social media Mm -hmm. that people have actually found a desire that is every bit as vital to them as the, the belly need that you were just talking about this desire for Attention and prestige and prominence that they are able to create just by repeating the slogans of the party. And that has become such a driver for so many people. There are people in our country who have genuinely no hope of becoming a rich person, right? They're never going to fulfill the material needs that they keep creating for themselves. And so they will try to replace that with personal prestige and this sense that they are part of the elite culture, even though they can't really join it, they can get like some, um, you know, kind of substitute of that just by par- participating in social
1: media. Mm hmm. They, I think deep down humans want to be virtuous, but they, have replaced confession and absolution, and I'm a Christian, so I believe it that true peace comes from Christ, but they have replaced Christ with party membership and supporting certain hashtags, and so I get their drive. I understand why they're doing it. They're just doing it for the wrong. Nobody wants to feel unrighteous, so they're pursuing their righteousness through vapid, temporary, and ultimately Bolshevistic means, and... It's really a tragedy. There's – people people bitch on my Telegram channel a lot about how we need a political solution to this problem. I think it's 2 prong. I think that there is a political solution uh, in part, and that would be going back to paper ballots at the county level in all 3,000 counties in the United States or at least 2,500, and the 500 that aren't are just going to be a case for fraud. <laughs> In the blue in the blue areas. But yeah. the other part is is, is it's, a, it's a social and spiritual revival. We need a third great awakening in a different way. And we've done it twice before. And now with the election fraud, I think there will be a third great awakening. I don't know when it's going to come, though.
0: Oh, I feel like we're in the midst of it already. I mean, yeah. one thing that I say a lot on the podcast is, you know, we're nine months past almost 10 months now um, past the election day of 2020. And in that 10 months, if this had gone the way the global communists were hoping, we would not be talking about election fraud anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. we should be, by rights, according to them, we should be mostly focused on when we're going to be able to get our booster shot because the coronavirus is so scary and talking about how we're going to preserve voting rights by passing hr1 that was their plan right this has not gone according to their plan and the reason it hasn't to me is that our information stream our ability to pass quality information on our side has now superseded the media and their constricted legacy social media sites to the point where we're now able to control the narratives and instead of putting more people to sleep in the communist utopia that they imagine, we're waking more people up again and again and again.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's not as quick as some people would like, but I think it's it's better than what we expected. I think that um, the good news is that we the only thing we have, Chris, in my opinion, is the numbers. I think we outnumbered them by about 20 million. I think that, you know, of the country's 350 million people. We have about 120 million on our side, 100 million on their side, and the rest are kids. Right, right. So, so that is the only thing we have. We don't dominate tech, although, like you said, we have other outlets, Telegram, Element, other chats. You know, we're using a a tool right now that could have been canceled from us, and so we need the 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 task. And I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. We need to create a new credit card company because right Right. now, even with my nonprofit, we've been canceled by five different. five different payment processors. And what you'll find is they all go to the top of the the family tree to four companies. And so if you have a new credit card company that doesn't have usurious rates, you're going to get 120 million people to join it within three years. And so we have to, if you're looking at a a war map, the only thing we have is numbers and virtue and people who actually like the country that they're living in and don't want to change it forever.
0: And And the truth.
1: The truth actually
0: is on our side.
1: It is, and I believe in absolute truth, and uh, the other side does not. They do not believe in truth, and so th- they think that, that truth is whatever somebody wants it to be, and that is a – that's a case for disaster, <laughs> to put to put it simply. I mean it's a joke
0: because it's um, –
1: yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say the, the truth to them is who can effectuate power, who can – who yeah, can exactly. uh, use power and power to them equals righteousness. And that's why uh, they were so mad when we had it, even though we didn't take full advantage of it because the agencies weren't cleaned out.
0: Yeah. Truth is a, uh, a function of utility to them. Um, I was going to go right to the Marco Polo stuff, but since you mentioned, um, that the power wasn't taken full advantage of in the Trump term, you know, you've talked about on Dave Clemens podcast and elsewhere about your views of how the establishment failed Trump and perhaps Trump had underestimated that um, made some poor judgments that left him open to being defeated by that establishment. Uh, Where do you see. see that stuff going? Do you think that Trump has figured it out I have, you know, my own theories about where all of this is going. We don't have to get into that. I do think that election fraud is a certainty. I think that election fraud being proven is a certainty. And I think at that point, the country will demand that Trump be put back into office. And I don't know the exact mechanism by which that'll happen. And, you know, maybe that maybe it takes another election and we just have a lame duck president. I think that's unlikely. But, you know. It seems to me that Donald Trump has allowed people to be themselves and expose who they are and that he's had a level of confidence and patience that has maybe been taken advantage of at times. But I think that's it's a very good still way of putting it. yield a positive result for us. But go ahead.
1: No, ironically, you know, the president and this is from people who spend a lot more time with him one on one than me. But the president, ironically, did not like firing people in person, even though his show had him firing somebody every week in person. And so I would – I pray that he fires more people if he ever gets back into (laughs) office, which I want him to be. I want him to be back into office immediately. But like you said, that's going to be constitutionally unprecedented, although that's what needs to happen. I think that what they had was full-spectrum dominance, and so when the president won in November of 2016… They nobody expected that, and the next thing they had to do was staff his administration with the exact same people who fought his nomination. And so, uh, what is that phrase? No rest for the wicked, you right. know, there's going to be no rest for our nationalist side, meaning most establishment Republicans, the hardest thing they have to do is win the election and then. Once they win, their administration will be staffed with people just like them. We did not have that luxury. If we set, I'm, I'm defining e- as we as economic nationalists, the people who believed in what Trump was talking about in 2015, not just 2016, and from the economic side, we have no luxury. We ha- we do not have the luxury of, of step of, of having our foot off the pedal. It's going to take a precisional, uh, a precision surgeon like uh, operation to excise the people from the agencies. We need a comprehensive org chart of the federal government. I've talked about this on my Telegram channel. The deep state would hate this. If you made the CIA provide it an org chart of every single person that worked in the agency, and it, it was updated every single day and sent to the president, you could actually get your hands on the CIA. If you can't see it, if you can't map out how these power structures are, there is no hope for the United States long-term. And so that's one of my goals with Marco Polo. That's one of our projects.
0: I'm totally with you on the organization map thing. Um, Another part of that is, and this is another thing I talk about quite a bit, but one of our problems right now is that it's impossible to hold anyone accountable because everybody is constantly setting up uh, organizational structures that, alleviate responsibility from any single person. It always dilutes the responsibility morally and otherwise so that you can't go say, Oh, Hey, it was this person, you know? And that's what we see right now in the Afghanistan situation. Well, it's not Joe Biden's fault because Trump had this plan and, you know, Joe Biden did this part, but not this part. That was the military guys, but it wasn't their fault because other people had their plans and they just, it's just by the time you get through, a few levels of it you're talking about oh well is it 600 people's fault i mean it should it is 600 people's fault and they should all be gotten rid of but you can't really blame it on any of them so we should just all leave them in place because you know no one really messed up
1: you're, it's a fascinating point you hit a square on the head it's a giant shell game it's like who owns dominion voting systems is it staple street capital llp or is it UBS Securities LLC right. that put money into Stable Street Capital? It is the ma- it's what the Chinese are masters at, and we are taking some of their tactics where you do just enough of sleight of hand that you have no clue where the buck actually stops. Now, in a real regime, the buck always stops with the president, but he's mm-hmm. going to bitch and moan and blame it on other people. But uh, essentially, what we have is I've wanted to be at, out of Afghanistan since 2017. It never happened. Sure. Sure. And that's partly. The president's fault, like I said, and partly the general's fault because they lied to him. We had, by all accounts, a pre-violent coup under President Trump wherein his own general's neoliberal people like Mark Milley were lying to the president about the size of our forces in Afghanistan and Syria. They were just lying to him. It's like ancient stuff where Caesar couldn't even rely on his own generals and the generals had a coup and stabbed him in the back literally back then, although ours are more refined today. But we have to, you know, a lot of the civil a lot of the military people, Chris, they don't believe in civilian control of the military. The military, and i can I be frank on your podcast? I mean the Absolutely. military could be one of the most one of the largest circle jerk operations in the history of the world. These people like Mark Milley do not actually believe that the president should control the military. It's fascinating stuff. And it goes against everything that our everything that we were set up as as a republic. They believe in permanent bureaucracy. So the military is still there, no matter what the people decide of who should be the president, who should be directing things. They didn't believe in Donald Trump's legitimacy.
0: It's incredible. It's like these people don't have... A clear definition of what the purpose of anything is, you know, and I don't have I've not lived my life as a religious person. I wasn't uh, I had never experienced uh, the I had never experienced the phenomenon of faith until some point about last summer where I was like, oh, wow, I just really trust that the American people are going to figure all this out on time. You know, and that's what i that's how I've guided myself, just being like i'm gonna keep telling the truth, and I'm just gonna hope that the American people uh figure all of this out before everything collapses right that's <laughs> not a that's not me looking out for my own survival, right? That is mm-hmm. a leap of faith of some variety, and that was the first time I'd ever experienced it. It was like a lightning bolt, just something i had I'd never had, but mm-hmm. without Paul that slow so-
1: on the road to Damascus moment, basically
0: you would i will take yeah. your word for it
1: your um, listeners will know
0: but without uh without something like that you know we live in a society without a lot of that and even at my most non-religious i don't think that i ever believed it didn't serve a purpose for people you know and we're talking yeah. about a group of people who don't seem to believe that there is an ultimate purpose to anything, no, and I that there—I mean, it doesn't seem to me like people like Mark Milley believe that the purpose of the U.S. military is to defend the United States and win wars.
1: Yeah, I, and so then, what what,
0: what is the purpose of it?
1: I think it's what Nietzsche Nietzsche actually predicted. Um, … both of the world wars. In 1884, he predicted both of the world wars, uh, He and he predicted what we're facing right now in the 21st century, which is the collapse of all values. So everybody's heard of the phrase God is dead, and Nietzsche was lamenting that, not praising it. But he talked about the 21st century will be basically the creation of, of uh, not the ubermensch, the person who creates his own value, but just nihilism. So I think Millie's God is his belly. And whatever left-wing fad he's contemplating that year, and so how do you deal with a nihilist That's a very good question, Chris and you know the church the Christian church has had answers for two thousand years, other people have answers, but uh, we need to get those people out of power. That's my first yes. answer yeah get all nihilists out of power because they have no conception of the good they they are only driven by immediate gratification, have no sense of sacrifice it
0: it It's also crazy that they don't seem to have any, they don't seem to make any distinction between the U.S. military and like Walmart. You know what I mean? They're just running an organization. That's it. They're just, Mm -hmm. what, business consultants? They went to executive school? Are they MBAs? I mean, they certainly don't seem to me to be warriors. Now, I didn't serve, so there's a limit to which I'm comfortable talking about military duty. I can only go on what I see. I haven't worked in government. But what I see now is people who aren't prepared to command men. They're not prepared to set a mission. I don't know why this is the organization that they have chosen to run. Mm-hmm.
1: I, 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 I can only talk about what I personally experienced. And when we went over to the Pentagon, they're very dismissive of civilians. Uh, they, they, ha- they have to have their ego stroked a lot. This, there's an inverse, it's relationship, awfully
0: convenient, isn't it?
1: Yeah. but there's an inverse relationship between rank, I think, and actual patriot, uh, patriotism. You know, a lot of the people that I've met colonel and below are fantastic and they know this is a joke, but everybody above that, ha- it's like you have to sell your soul to get ahead in the military. And that's a very that's sad exact- thing.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. And, uh, you know, coming out of Hollywood, that is, Just that's customary for the systems that our culture has set up for us now. You know, it does take a certain level of personal, moral character sacrifice to be able to advance that next step. You just have to uh, make too many sacrifices to your own integrity to be able to do that next thing and they demand it because if they don't understand that you can be easily compromised and swayed well then how do you know that person's going to serve the mission that you're serving
1: exactly you have to i think the only way to beat that is uber transparency like when i got out of the white house i was offered to go work at think tanks for probably three times what i'm going to make through marco polo but you just have to be you have to be super transparent with people and say you know what I gave up more lucrative opportunities because I don't want to sell my soul. And this is what James O'Keefe is helping shine a light on with Project Veritas. Absolutely. All these people are coming forward with with uh, whistleblower accounts, and people fund them other ways. And that's – we have to get rid of economic blackmail. Right now, all the companies with the vaccine mandates are economically blackmailing a large yes. portion of the American population. Yes. And so Our entire – yeah.
0: Yeah, our entire society, it seems, runs on blackmail and compromise and corruption. And in order to advance, especially in these political systems, and we can watch this stuff go all the way down to the local level. I mean, what we see out of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors right now, those people are elected by their neighbors, ostensibly. You no, know, exactly. I mean, we have no, or not, elected, I, I've not
1: done the deep dive on Jack Sellers or. Bill Gates, who ironically yep. is one of the Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County, but you know just from the vitriol with which they respond to legitimate concerns from their citizens, yep. you know somebody else is pulling the strings. I'm Absolutely. not always alleging that it's as egregious as somebody went to Epstein's Island in the in the Caribbean. It's not always that. It could be that one of these board members' his wives works at a firm that is a contractor for somebody else. And if he speaks out, his wife's gonna get punished. Sure. Marco Polo's job and in the mission, which I believe no organization in the United States is doing right now, and if they're doing it, uh, we're doing something a little bit different than Project Veritas. We're trying to do something totally new, which is examine those relationships. Examine those relationships. What's compromising people? And it, it gives me chills because I'm very excited about this work.
0: I'm very excited you about it too. I really am there's very There's a lot of
1: people who Let's have discuss, pissed, yeah. a, non, a non-trivial amount that say that exposure of corruption does nothing, and it's all about holding people accountable. I agree that holding people accountable is the ultimate reach of what we want to do and If nobody gets held accountable by what we expose Chris, it will be a failure in a key way. However, if we expose something and the ult- and the powers that be don't act on it, I can't be held personally responsible for that because I know that I will have done everything I can to get citizens to write protest. Be, be activist. I mean, we've got to become activists. The left can't be the only activist. And so we're an activist research group. Our, our vision, Chris, is to be the fusion GPS of the right. That's what we want to be. But unlike fusion GPS, we don't want to become very big. We want to keep our size to under a dozen people so all of us can work 50 hours a week and make a good living and, and not be compromised in any way. And so to all your listeners, I would say that um, we're trying to make a, a, a very unique organization in the history of the United States. And I'm a young guy, but I have the people on our board are much older than me. And I know where my weak spots are. A lot of these people, Chris, on the right, they're not very humble people that it's very hard to, and I like Mike Lindell, and we can talk about this uh, at great length because we have a mutual friend that was at this symposium. Sure. But it's sometimes hard. People who are a lot older in life are sometimes not teachable. And so as we go along, I'll learn and I'll make mistakes and I'll I'll uh, fix them. And I think Marco Polo is a very, very, uh, very good organization. And the guys that are involved with it that are fantastic.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, exposure thing, because, you know, on the left, there is cancel culture. And I think that exposure is actually the limiting principle on. What cancel culture ended up being cancel culture is, is an attacking bullying sort of thing, right? They pick targets and then figure out a story by which they can take down that target. That is not the same at all as exposing what something factually is and then letting the public react to it. And You know, in terms of a corrective measure, exposure is actually really good. You could do org charts of the entire country and some people would be just fine. You know, a lot of people would just be like, yeah, yeah, I don't care if anybody knows that I work for Jim, you know, because Jim's a good guy and you guys aren't doing anything nefarious. Like if you are scared that someone's going to figure out who your boss is. Why are you working for that person? Well,
1: exactly. People have bitched about my background because I'm a young person. And I think I made like 59 K in the white house and they were like, Garrett was, uh, you know, just an intern. What they failed to understand is yes, I was an intern back in 2017, but I've been transparent about absolutely everything. I have literally nothing to hide. And if it were safe to post my address online, I would, except there's crazies out there. And so somebody who is digging on me, dig away. There's going to be nothing. And that's who we need in public office. We need somebody that is not compromised and that has nothing to hide. That's a total open book, and that's what we're going after. We're going because right now, the, a think tank and its mission and responsibilities presumes that their think tank products are going to rational people. That they write up this report and then they send it off to a congressman, and that congressman uses reasoning and cost benefit analyses. To make a decision. That's not what we have. And until we have people who are rational thinkers and who aren't compromised, what the hell are we doing? So we're just trying to get people on the stage that are not bought. That's all we want. Yes. And, and I'm very proud of it, and I'm very appreciative that you're allowing me to talk about it because it, it's offensive to some people. Like talking about blackmail and corruption, you're not going to get that, like even on Newsmax. That's something that's like icky. Nobody really wants to talk about it.
0: I just assume that's because they're all blackmailed and corrupt, too. You know what I mean? Honestly, like we have we have bred this into society in some way. You know, I was talking about it before in terms of just being able to excel within an organization. They can use your worst moments against you and Mm -hmm. they plan to do that and they will tell you that they plan to do that or they will initiate those moments so that they can use them for exactly that. That's how they maintain this like broad base of power. Mm-hmm. They're able to use these same things against everyone. You know, Aziz Ansari was <laughs> nearly, nearly lo- I, I'm not an Did you Aziz know Ansari fan. No, I actually don't know him, but, uh, but he was, he basically almost lost his career because, a girl didn't like how their date turned out, even though she didn't classify anything that happened as non-consensual. And if we get to that point, then we are lost, right? Because then anybody can accuse anyone of anything. And as long as the culture is complicit in the takedown of that person, that person's finished. So we need to have a way that we can, you know, eliminate that stuff, but still have people held accountable for their actions. And so, let's let's talk about hunter now because you know that's marco polo's next initiative Yes, First we're talking thing. we're yeah we're talking about we're talking about someone who is so corrupt and City so prison, degraded so. and so compromised that it should have been immediately disqualifying mm-hmm. joe biden is a walking national security threat and the fact that it wasn't immediately disqualifying is a sorry statement about where our media is at and where our culture is at and the level to which the Democrat Communist Party voter will stoop so that they do not have to feel like the majority is not on their side anyway Mm -hmm. take that no run with it however you will
1: well I'll I'll talk about Hunter uh at first in relation to his sister Ashley because If I'm playing devil's advocate, Chris, and I'm listening to our conversation right now, and Mm -hmm. I'm not a conservative or right-wing or a constitutionalist, I'm a leftist, I'm thinking, why are you guys picking on Hunter? He's like the son of the president. He has nothing to do with policy. Ashley is a good argument for that. Now, Ashley, we have her diary. We know that she's confessed to showering with Joe, him inappropriate Inappropriate touchably Yes, She describes it
0: in her words as inappropriate showers at age nine.
1: Yes. So that is disgusting. Uh, sheds light on Joe's character and his seemingly love of pederasty. It's sinful. However, it, let's say that Hunter didn't exist and it was just Ashley Biden. That news is salacious and reveals stuff about Joe, but is not necessarily a national security threat. Right. However, for the entirety of Joe of Hunter's business career, from the time he graduated with Cs. With a history degree from Georgetown until he osteoporotically limped through Yale Law School, till he was an executive at MBNA at a credit card company out of Delaware, he has benefited from his dad's senatorial career as a registered lobbyist, as a deal broker, as just a swamp rat in the cesspool itself. That is what I'm focused on. Yes. I am not interested in talking about the, tr- the private drug life of somebody who is not a national security threat. I hope they get treatment, but G- Hunter is a different bird in that he profited, and his family is profiting to this day through his ownership stake in Bohai Harvest, and his sexual sins, drug sins, and other things are currently being used by China to blackmail Joe Biden. That is the truth, and we see it in Afghanistan. Afghan getting out of Afghanistan is not the problem. What's going on is the problem because it allows China to backfill into Afghanistan, take all the lithium, which helps their electronics industry, and basically leave us with nothing. That is why we're doing this project, and no, and we we're we're focusing on three reports. we so. I just wanted to – and I know people listening to this probably have recognized by now, Chris, that I talk a lot, and I, I talk like Ben Shapiro even though I, I don't have his speed. Um, but we're we're you don't taking, have his
0: compromise either.
1: That's true. So we're taking Johnson's reports uh, that came out last September and October respectively. He had a supplement. And then we're taking another report that was done by a group on Joe Biden's connections to the Chinese We're synthesizing those three and then adding the laptop. Remember, when those reports were done by Johnson's staff, they didn't have the laptop, and so we hope to do a comprehensive report that has bite-sized parts of it. So I'm starting a Gap TV channel, and I'm getting a studio much better than what I have right now, and we're going to have bite-sized parts for people, and we are going to have a full report for the Masochistic among us, like me, who reads 300-page reports. Because some people were bitching, you know, I don't want to read a 300-page report. Just tell us the news. Well, we're going to be breaking it down into smaller bites. And our model, hopefully, Chris, and and I'm talking about things that people have either questioned, has have, have questions about, have complained about. Our model in the future, after we get this first report done, is hopefully a 30-year membership model where no paywalls, nothing. We just want. from 50,000 people a year. And so we can do our work, not fundraise all the time, not be annoying to people like they see on Facebook, where there's political ads all the time that will give us the freedom to focus on the task and make people like me, the masochist have the ability to read all day and synthesize and make shows and basically be what, be what the news is not right now. And I don't think
0: you're going to have any problem uh, with the finance, the financial aspect After this report comes out I really don't I know
1: exactly And that's why people Who are questioning me right now I say you have every right to And just wait And just see what we come up with Because it'll be damning We're not going to redact hardly anything Anything that's illegal We'll redact Like Hunter's social security number For instance But everything else Everything else will be in the report It'll be what was said about Natalie His niece and him And it's going to be unbelievable. We've never had anything like this. If this were Donald Trump Jr., this is not a talking point. This is gospel truth. If this were Donald Trump Jr., somebody like me would not be doing this. It would be a team of people at The Washington Post. They would have an unlimited budget.
0: Well, you know, we've got we've got the problem that these newspapers pretended on behalf of 50 former intelligence officials Thank you that for this that was that this was Russian disinformation. And the funny thing is, you know, I read that that uh, I guess it was a letter or something. Yes. An that editorial they that they published. I read it a few times and it specifically does not say with any evidence whatsoever that that was Russian disinformation. They said that it seems to have all the markings of potentially being a Russian disinformation campaign right all and the that
1: qualifiers was, and clarifiers right, of a cia right. slash Mossad intelligence report total smoke and mirrors said nothing all it did was give politico the chance to make a headline right. that say suggests that's all the point of, but and guess then what? joe we're biden contacting all 50 of them. We're, we're contacting all 50 people that signed Good. that and in the introductory email we're putting pictures of Hunter and compromising positions and saying, how is this Russian disinformation? And we're putting the EXIF data in the report. So oh, I love anybody that. can see. I love this that. This is the latitude and longitude, and this is the time.
0: Can you take a second and explain that EXIF data part? I know you did it in the promo video, but for anyone who hasn't watched that yet, yes. Because so that's for like, nerds.
1: Yeah. For nerds is, like yeah, me, I got some
0: nerds who are yeah, listening. So
1: for, for nerds like me, I am obsessed with metadata because it tells. Everything you know, a picture tells a thousand words, and the thousand words are the metadata in this case. So, if somebody takes a picture with the Snapchat Snapchat app and sends it, the the app itself does not collect most of the time the metadata of the photo. But if you take it with the camera on your phone and send it through iMessage, if somebody adds that to their photo library, they'll be typically be able to see where it was taken with what. If you pu- if you load it onto your Mac, you'll see the model of the camera the latitude and longitude coordinates of when it was taken when it was taken if if that person's face is in other photos in your photo library it'll classify them as the same face so apple photos actually has facial recognition which puts people like there's an album of my son right like Augustus yeah. is in my mac as in every every photo that has his face shows up as Augustus and we're putting that in the report so that the lying press and people like these former intel operatives can't say that this was a doctor photo. Deep fakes are real, and they're a threat and to a lot of evil people. But so that's why it's very hard to deep fake metadata. There's a way to do it, but I guarantee you these aren't.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Um...
1: <laughs> it's very – when, when a photo doesn't have metadata, it pisses me off. So <laughs> a lot of these do have metadata, and thank God they do. Hunter he... was so high all the time, he didn't even realize that he was taking pictures with metadata on them.
0: Isn't it incre- – okay, so maybe you can answer this for me because this is something that I've, I've thought about, and I think I've, maybe I've talked about it on my Telegram channel a little bit. Some of the pictures that we have seen from Hunter's laptop look like they were taken by someone else in the room, even though it doesn't seem like there should be anybody else in the room. Now mm-hmm. – Maybe he set up cameras because he obviously is obsessed with filming himself, which it's is pornography. Just, yes.
1: Yeah. He's obsessed I mean, he's, with pornography.
0: It's like, you, you have you ever seen American Psycho, the movie? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the scene where uh, Patrick Bateman is studio, back at his yes. place. Yeah. And so it's just that obsession. It's like he's flexing in the mirror the whole time. You yeah, know,
1: it's so degenerate. Hunter's own novel. Hunter looks at himself as an artist. Remember, I've I've been deep into this laptop. I did not want to write this report. I thought that somebody who's a really hard hitter would do this report, and nobody was doing it, so I I had – I want to do it. But I thought somebody like me would be deep. If you read his phone notes, he looks at himself not as a banker. Sure as hell not a private equity guy. That's just because he had to raise money for the family. Politics was a family business, and they needed to melt that heat as quick as they could. What he sees himself is as an artist. A like Caravaggio in his own degenerate mind, and it's hilarious to me because he sucks. His art sucks. It's it's like a shitty modern artist. The market rate for Hunter stuff in left wing affluent cities would be like twelve hundred bucks. Okay, it's not terrible. It's not a seventh grader's work, but he shouldn't be commanding five hundred thousand dollars. And we're doing an expose on his art dealer, George Burgess. Good. In the next couple of weeks, Chris And we're gonna, that's gonna be People were mad because they're like, release the laptop now Release the laptop now And I'm like, just wait just know. a second Because what we are, we are I want.
0: But to I also know. don't understand I mean, so many people have copies of the laptop Of, of course, already. they don't
1: know that though
0: people, I mean, it's all over the internet are,
1: People are bad because other people in the right-wing conservative movement Have said stuff that has not panned out And they're holding me accountable About what's on people. the
0: laptop, you mean?
1: Voter fraud,
0: all oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh,
1: prosecutions that never happened, no accountability and justice for with Durham and everything. So they're taking their frustration out on me through other people. I get it. I can stand being yelled at. I got yelled at a lot in the White House. I'm fine. But we are going to be putting out the laptop. What we are doing right now is making sure that what we put out is not PII like Hunter Social that can be held against us. We mm. are going to do it. And we're going to be releasing it as we write the report. The expose on the art dealer will be in a couple of weeks. It'll be way before Thanksgiving. And it'll shine some light on who this piece of shit is. George Burgess. I urge you to go look up his Instagram account.
0: I have not done that yet. Um, so where are you on the coverage that has been given to it so far, right? Mm-hmm. The New York Post did a very small amount before the election. And thank goodness they did. We don't have to talk about the Twitter response, yeah. whatever. He um, lost the
1: case, though. It just got dismissed. I, I was, I've gotten close with the laptop shop owner's uncle, and I have been following the case. I can drop. All the all the litigation in my Telegram channel. Once you post this, uh, okay, Chris. But his case just got dismissed yesterday by the Southern District of Florida. JP Mac Isaac was suing Twitter for five hundred million dollars for defamation because they said it was hacked materials. But they they uh, they dismissed the case because he, I think that his attorney made a mistake by by wanting to do defamation per se instead of pro quad, which is anyways Latin term. Long story short, JP is now. Uh, his case is thrown out against Twitter and there's going to be no justice for him. So it, it pisses me off. I cut you off
0: though. No, 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 that's fine. Um, that's good. I actually didn't know that. Uh, so you have the New York Post did a little bit. The mainstream media has avoided it entirely to the point where it's obvious that they hope that all the little commies in their audience still believe that that laptop is not real. They do not. There are people right now who imagine themselves to be serious, followers of the political landscape who really don't believe that hunter's laptop is real that's madness okay yep. then on the other hand we have the daily mail who i feel like has gotten kind of right up to that line like they've dipped their toes in the water
1: they it's have like in that, the first you know, video they posted and by the way Hunter, not, i'm not
0: trying to insult them they've gone farther than everyone else
1: they have and i'm grateful and an la guy well, he's English by birth but an LA guy their LA correspondent Josh Boswell has worked with Jack Maxie, and I'm appreciative of him oh, the articles okay. have been good the good. daily mail's articles have been chock full what is not happening and I told I emailed Josh he didn't respond to me maybe he'll listen to this maybe we can send him this podcast but what I want the daily mail to do is have a section on their site that has a chronology of all their articles because right now these random articles of Hunter said this to a prostitute. Hunter used the N-word with his attorney. There are all these disparate articles, whereas if they just had a section on their website dedicated to that, people would drive – uh, the traffic would go up, and it would help me in my report of synthesizing. Now, we have a running list of all the press on. It's about 275 articles in, in total out there right now on it, and I'm going – that's what my day is like. That's – I've literally been reading since 10 a.m. So um, – and that's what I'm going to be doing for the next three months, so – we we're going to do a service to the country. It's a very unique opportunity to expose corruption. It's like the, the muck crackers in the early 20th century.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've peeked into the laptop stuff. How can I don't know if you want to talk Anything. about this, but uh, but how is it that you're going about this process? Because I look at it and I see all of these different folders and it's like, my God. God, where do I start? You yeah, know, so do I start with we, the text messages? Because you can read 10 text messages. He's setting up a meeting with some player in this city and that city. I'm going to be in Rome tonight. I'm going to be in D.C. tomorrow. <laughs> I'll meet you over here at this time. Can you bring this guy from the Chinese Three girls. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's all just place and time, and he's setting up meetings and different things. But... There's so much background behind each one of those stories and the bandwidth required to get all the background accurate is that's the part for me that's incredible about what you're doing. And I, and I guess I would just want to ask, like, what your approach to all of that is.
1: Yeah. So with very good question, the four other guys who are with me um, and uh, I'll, I'll say their first names, nothing's identifiable. Uh, J.R., uh, Sean, uh, Blair, and uh, Robert, we had two options we saw. We could either go chronological, which is my preference. We, we came out with a pure coincidences timeline two weeks ago now that went by, by, chron- by chronology, but we actually decided on category of law. So the report is going to be structured by felony that Hunter committed. So like financial, <laughs> financial crimes will be one section of the report. There are sex so crimes. Many. That's amazing. Yeah, so financial crimes, because I think it'll also be uh, easier to read. So 30 pages will be on all of Hunter's crimes committed from a financial basis, from back taxes to money laundering to uh, uh, falsification of business registration records. Then we'll go to the sex crimes. Then we'll go to uh, Bo Biden Foundation, which, by the way, ironically, the Bo Biden Foundation, the official legal name is the Bo Biden Foundation for the Protection of Children. Oh. When Bo's own daughter was being – had uh, inappropriate sexual contact with Hunter Biden. And so the, I envision five sections because I'm a lover of, of multiples of five. It's crisp. So it'll be a five-section report. It'll go by category of law. Uh, uh, of crime committed, and it 'll be in all different mediums we 're going to have a PDF copy of the report that 'll have screenshots, diagrams, etc, just like our Marco Polo group has been doing so far, which is very good and then there 'll be an online version of the report we'll we 'll play videos from the laptop so people uh, i don 't believe in paywalls that much. I want to rely on the goodness of our supporters, meaning that i 'm not going to be that little merchant you know click this or you know if you if you don 't pay me you can 't see it nothing 's going to be paywalled we 're going to be adults and say. If you think what I'm doing is valuable, and I think it is because nobody else is doing it, pay us thirty dollars. If you don't, if you don't have thirty dollars, I totally understand. Help us with crowd uh, crowdsourcing research. And about a dozen people have reached out to me by email and are doing just that. They help our, they help our, 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 uh, our group in other ways, and I, I'm very, very grateful for that. So it'll be by, it'll be. Long story short, Chris, the report will be five sections. It'll be by law category that Hunter um, violated.
0: Okay, so this, I think, is an important thing for the kind of the liberals that you were referring to. Right. They don't understand. Why are you going after Joe Biden's son? His son is not the president. And that's what the media tells them. They're just repeating the television as always. But the thing is here, man, this is the thing that people don't understand on Hunter's laptop. It is not just embarrassing his father. Yes. Everybody thinks that this is just an embarrassment. Yes, yes, it's
1: not, it's not just these that are, Hunter.
0: Yeah. These are provable crimes and crimes that he committed with his father. And they're not just crimes that he committed with his father. They're crimes that he committed for his father that are dependent on his father's willingness to... To sell the interest of American citizens and institutions to our foreign adversaries. This is the worst possible thing, and people don't understand it at all. And sorry, I couldn't, I mean, have, articu- I I couldn't have articulated
1: you. it better. This is political prostitution. So I actually have a different view than most right wingers about this. I understand why Trump's business activities of the Trump organization were under scrutiny while he was in office. A real journalist would look into that right because they don't want people trying to access Don and Eric and Tiffany to get to Trump so I get the scrutiny now it was a double standard they didn't do anything wrong they cut off all their hotels and questionable regimes mostly and they they knew that they were going to get audited so I actually understand that the family business that Trump built was under scrutiny during his campaign and during his presidency what they fail to do because they're compromised themselves and they don't look at uh, the true landscape is that politics is the Biden family business. So when Joe gets out of office, nobody's going to be paying for Hunter's art, not a damn person. So Hunter is just milking this cow's teeth as quickly as he can, trying to, and that's why the Chinese gave him the 10% equity stake in BHR, because they knew that he wouldn't relinquish it. And Hunter still has that ownership stake right now. So Hunter's financial future is dependent upon a, a fund that was set up in part by the Bank of China. So you really think that, that they're going to get the CCP out of Afghanistan for lithium purposes? No.
0: They can't even get the CCP out of the Oval Office.
1: Yes. So, uh, you know, this is this is the problem with Hunter having no discernible skills. I mean, Hunter has no skills. If you read his text messages, Chris, which I know you have, but if your audience – goes to marcopolo.guru over the next three months. We'll be just posting them with our uh, lovely watermark on it. We'll be going through. The guy is so strung out. Crack yeah. has destroyed yeah. his brain. He can't even put together a cogent sentence. There's no way that he has the mental aptitude to do what he's doing. Private equity deals are run by shady people, but those shady people are sharp. Hunter is the stupid guy in the room. Hunter is the ultimate front man who has no clue what he's doing. He's just being directed by Eric Schwerin.
0: Well, he's the smartest guy his dad knows, at least.
1: Yeah, it, for, I love how he said, from a pure intellectual capacity. That's what <laughs> Joe Biden said. He put a qualifier stuttering- on it. Hey, and I and I stuttered as a child. I lost it when I hit puberty, but I have no, I have no uh, prejudice against stuttering people. But it's just so funny that he said, you know, Hunter is the smartest man I know from a pure intellectual capacity. And if he's good. We're good, you know. And by the way, Hunter hates Jill. He 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 loathes his stepmother. And so those are things. Those are things that we'll be talking about. Hunter feels like he was the bastard child. Bo was more handsome. He was the politico. He got his fingers less dirty. He didn't. He didn't do any drugs really. Bo was the heir, and Bo died. And so Jill favored Bo. And so there are a lot of family dynamics. You know, they all hate Bo's widow now. Because she, uh, was a loose cannon herself and, uh, tried to keep Natalie from Hunter because Hunter would rock Hunter would walk around naked doing drugs and FaceTiming people in front of Natalie. Send his own yeah. text messages.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hunter actually formed a relationship, um, with, wait, Natalie is Bo's wife. We're I coming was, out
1: with a family tree in two weeks. And yes, i was mix up it.
0: Natalie and Hallie. So Hallie yes. is Bo's daughter. Natalie is Bo's wife.
1: No, it's I have that transposed. backwards. Yeah. Okay, so, so how, Hallie, gotcha. Hallie Olivier, uh, who has a sister, Liz Secundi, who Hunter also yep. screwed. And Hallie they had,
0: was, weren't they, didn't they have like a uh, joint uh, yeah, menage à trois house together? I like, can't prove company? that
1: yet. I okay. know that Liz and Hunter were in, Bill, in Clintonian phrase uh, having sexual relations, but Hallie was married to Beau. Once Bo died, Howie started screwing Hunter. Hunter's wife, Kathleen, found out, ironically from the same state as me, uh, Illinois. I'm going to be contacting all these people. I've gotten told to F off so many times, Chris. I, I love call how them you up.
0: just called him up.
1: It's so yeah, don't, funny, man. They all man. tell me to F off. I, I, I'm totally transparent. This Larry Johnson guy who writes for the Gateway Pundit, he That's hated me. He hated me and for no reason other than he thought I was putting out false information. And just starts screaming at me on the phone. But guess what? He was actually appreciative because I called him. If anybody hates me, I will talk to you on the phone about it. I won't change my actions, but I'll at least hear you out. I called Stefano Serafini's sister. She tells me to fuck off. All of these people loathe what I'm doing <laughs> because the journalists don't just call them. You know, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up Ashley. Ashley, did Joe Biden have inappropriate showers with you at age nine? What would you – their assholes are going to pucker up because nobody's just confronted them. My, I actually – Isn't that crazy
0: that that diary Service could call, exist and no one has asked either of them about
1: it? How is Secret that Service possible? Called my own mother. So the Secret Service called me and my mother and reported me because I sent Howard Crine, the stepson of Joe – or the, not the stepson. The, the son-in-law of Joe Biden, the, the husband of Ashley Biden. He's a plastic surgeon from Philadelphia. His name is Howard Crine. I texted him a hyperlink to an interview about Hunter Biden's laptop done by Jack Maxey, whose work I really appreciate and admire. And he turned turned me in. Uh, uh, Howard said that he was violated, that somebody had his number, and the Secret Service proceeded to call me and my mother. My mother didn't answer, of course, because she's smart, and I don't talk to them without an attorney present, because I'm not going to get railroaded like Flynn did. But me and my attorney talked to them, I broke no laws. I sent somebody a damn hyperlink. It wasn't like I was a, a, if I sent a naked picture of Hunter to Howard, that would be a little bit inappropriate. Not illegal, but just, you know, not appropriate for that thing. But I just sent him a hyperlink. It was like a freaking video. And these people are that they're that scared of the truth.
0: Well, yeah, I mean they also just never have anyone kind of break inside their bubble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, you are was
1: violated. Like he was, Yeah, exactly. Like, he was, yeah. Well, fuck how. Yeah. Somehow you, you got
0: inside either. the castle wall, and they're yeah. infuriated by that.
1: I hope they sue me. My goal with the report is for our LLC to get sued. If I don't get sued, I will have not exposed enough.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's how I feel about getting canceled off social media platforms. Yeah. Every time it happens, I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. I've had Yelp posts taken down. <laughs>
1: Yelp. Yelp is part of global homo. It's not even. It's not even <laughs> controversial. My phrases are literally just. From them, I mean, they celebrate global homo for a month every year, nonstop, in your face.
0: Yeah. Um, let's talk. Hold on. I want to. I want to p- circle back to uh, circle back to uh, to Hunter's relationship with Jill because you know I have theorized on here before. I'm trying to figure out for myself exactly how Hunter's laptop ends up at John Paul Mac Isaac's Computer Repair Shop, and then gets left there for a really long time. And now there's mm-hmm. a few approaches into this, right? There are some people who believe that this was a Mossad operation and they dropped it off there. That is a viewpoint that is out there that is believed by smart people. I don't know <laughs> if it's true. I, I
1: would put nothing past the Mossad. They're the sure. most capable intelligence agency on Earth.
0: I be- I, yeah, I believe it. So, Hunter, in that scenario hunter's laptop would have been stolen from him and delivered to that store by someone else hunter would not have known where his laptop is and that's why it got left there it eventually became john paul Mac isaac's possession and the rest is history but in that scenario didn't hunter sign a receipt
1: twice he, dro- he went okay. in, he went into and in, this is a uh, so I'll let you in on a secret. We're actually trying to get security cam footage from that shopping mall from those two days. It'd be April 12th, 2019, and April 14th of 2019 because it'll be able to prove it. But no, his, his signature uh, uh, appears on the work order form. His uh, active iPhone number, his active iCloud number both appear on that. The tricky thing is that J.P. Mac Isaac is literally legally blind, been that way forever. So, wow. his, so his, so both of his, uh, his dad and his grandpa were pilots in the military, but he obviously he couldn't do that because of his eye limitations, and so he started tinkering with computers. I mean, it's just the story is 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 unbelievable because it's all true. I mean, if somebody has is legally blind but they love computers, it's not unreasonable to think that they would start their own repair shop, and this was like a high end Mac repair shop. It's one of the mm-hmm. only you know like actual left standing and not just a Best Buy. Sure. So Hunter goes in there on the twelfth of April. It's so water damaged that JP hasn't come back on the eight, on April 14th to bring an external hard drive to put all the data that's on the water damage Mac onto an external hard drive, and um, so that's why I believe it was definitely dropped off by Hunter himself. The signature is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have his signature on his, you know, ID, social security card, sure. global entry. We match his signatures, and it's even in in. I'll I'll post all the litigation online, but he has the work orders in the court documents, Chris. So. We're able to we're able to confidently say at a ninety nine percent level that it was Hunter who dropped it off, and it was Hunter who came back a second time on April fourteenth to to deliver him the external hard drive he wanted the data put on. Um, but the more interesting theory is that some people think that Hunter purposely didn't bring it up and that he wanted to uh, send a giant middle finger to his family because he felt used. That's he my followed- perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. that's what I think. I think, you know, okay, so Hunter's a crackhead, right? now i mm-hmm. don't I don't know if we've talked about this like offline, but you know my career in Hollywood the last fifteen years or so I spent uh running uh bars and nightclubs in the Hollywood entertainment scene You've and seen everything doing celebrity outreach yes i have I, I was out uh four to seven nights a week in Hollywood for fifteen years and so that's literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of nights at bars way too many uh in that time i crossed paths with tens of thousands of inebriated people and i saw many of these people multiple times i knew who the extreme drunks were i knew who did drugs you just you just are aware of it right So I've known my share of crackheads. I bet I have known more crackheads than 99.9% of our population. Now, I I can imagine crackheads going and forgetting the computer for a couple days or a week or a couple weeks. A couple crackheads with that level of responsibility, leaving that computer there and never returning. I don't see that, man. So that, to me, implies maybe there's some intention behind this. And if there is, it's totally possible to me that Hunter hates his family and wanted it there. It's also possible to me that in a presidential run for his father, Hunter then becomes a liability. And that computer showing up at that computer store and then being confiscated by the FBI and in government possession, well... That's the kind of thing that keeps a crackhead son alive.
1: You're right. I don't know the answer to that yet because I have not talked sufficiently to the laptop shop owner, which I hope to do. Uh, I think both scenarios are, are perfectly plausible. What I I don't agree with I, – I take the he forgot approach bec- and for only one reason, because he dropped off three laptops there that day. And mm-hmm. I think that Hunter was so disorganized. If you look at this guy's computer, and we have the mirror image of it, right? So when we load it onto a new Mac, it's exactly as Hunter uh, had it with all of these folders everywhere. It looks like a crack addict's computer. It's, I have OCD, so it's disgusting to me. Not only is Hunter personally disgusting, but his computer hygiene is disgusting. I can see how somebody that disorganized could forget about a laptop because he had three different Macs. Okay. But I think that he also felt boxed in. Uh, that he there was no way out, and that he felt, you know, we we know that he told people he was going to kill himself in the laptop. People said, you know, don't say that, and you know, you haven't returned my text in a day, and that's the last thing you said to me. Why are you doing stuff like that? So I definitely think he was he 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 certainly resented certain people in his family. However, and you saw this with the crackhead uh, dialogue that the Daily Mail released. Hunter, for his own financial benefit, was relying on. Joe Biden to run for president again For financial benefit and mm. for personal redemption And so I think That in the next three months I'll have a better opinion For you, a more informed opinion But I, sure. that's all I have right now
0: sure, Fascinating sure, sure.
1: point though, right? Somebody wanting to fall on the sword to take his family out And to not be so damn Because he was looked at as the as the black sheep But with right. the laptop being revealed The whole entire, it's a black flock The Biden family is a black flock now
0: Yes, yeah, no I I am with you right there But I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, and maybe this is just way like out of line for the information that we actually have available. I'm just trying to think about how this could actually happen, right? Hunter seems to be extremely disposable if his dad is running for president. And what leverage does Hunter actually have at that point? And so, so that to me is why he might have left it there. That's his leverage. He's like, "Oh, Against really? Dude. I'm I'm going down, then everybody's going down."
1: If for you mean it to blackmail his father?
0: To so just whoever's running things around there, since it's yeah. clearly not his father. Yes, it could be yeah, the big no. guy, and the big guy is not Joe, right?
1: Well, this is I don't know.
0: Don't I know. have
1: argued with people about this for months because. Um, There are other emails in the laptop that haven't been made public that other people, especially in Delaware, have referred to Joe as the big guy. So the the, the smoking gun email in question, the original email that The New York Post talked about on one of them on October 22nd or October 14th, 2020, was an email from James Gillar, his business partner who's English, who went through the ownership equity stake of SinoHawk. And then you know it said James is going to get a cut. Tony Balun, Tony Bobulinski is going to get a cut. And then the final one is ten held by H for the big guy. I went through the laptop and have found no connection between James Gillard and Barack Obama. Okay. And uh, we can also say that Malia Obama, to our knowledge, is not the girl in the picture. Uh, we can almost, I bet my life on it. We know who the girl is. Her name's Erin Strader. Um, she played she did track at UNLV. Well, that'll all be in the report. She was Hunter's assistant. So. You know, we uh, we have a lot of work to do, and I'm so grateful that we can talk about this because it's it's so relevant today. The vaccine really relevant. is. I mean, it, but, it's, yeah. it's going to affect world events.
0: It already is. That's the problem. And, you know, again, it is. It is acceptable on some level to imagine that journalists are not immune to political bias, right? And if it comes out in their work, it would be nice if they stated it. You know, when I'm doing my show, it's clear that I have a viewpoint and I'm expressing yes. my viewpoint. I don't pretend at objectivity of my viewpoint. My viewpoint is my viewpoint. Those journalists pretend to be objective. And their viewpoint then tells them that it's okay to not put out this information. In fact, it's okay to censor this information from ever reaching the American public. Now, the consequences of censoring this information from the American public are the damnation of our country, and they don't care. Yeah,
1: they don't care. If if the United States ceased to exist in 50 years— these people wouldn't be mad with being in a hemispherical compact with Canada and Mexico. I think that would be a dystopia, and so you know they don't they don't look at it that way. If they're a reporter for the AP and the AP is domiciled in the north, hem, the the northwestern hemisphere of the world, so be it. I don't want it. I don't want it to exist in the same entity as Mexico and Canada. Let them pursue their own national destinies. Their own, you know, Mexico has a beautiful landscape a checkered history some people down there are amazing Canada too i want each nation to pursue its own national destiny and that means sometimes that america first is going to be america alone and you know we i hope that mexico first means mexico alone to them and we can all pursue our destinies separate and get along
0: i think donald trump actually had good plans for the american relationship with mexico Precisely.
1: I, yeah. The number one thing, this is my, I've studied this a lot. This is why I'm so passionate about this. The number one thing hammering Mexico is the cartels. You yes. get the cartels out, 85% of Mexican problems disappear.
0: Well, you know, it's just another aspect of corruption. Different countries orchestrate their corruption in different ways. Their corruption is performed through the cartel, and people benefit from that corrupt system staying in place. You know, it seems to me like Trump was forming relationships with leaders around the world who cared about their own national sovereignty they accepted america first because they wanted their country first and they wanted to be allowed to govern their country as sovereigns right and i saw that in mexico i saw that uh potentially obviously in brazil with bolsonaro potentially in india with modi You know, I mean, Vladimir Putin, whatever else you might want to say about him. I think he's Russia first.
1: Uh, Totally. I think he's about the sovereignty of Russia. And if we don't like how they do things, that's fine. They don't like how we do things. Yeah. And unless it's not killing Americans, uh, international talks between the Russians and uh, America should be very basic stuff, things that affect both of us, nukes, boundary water disputes. I mean, all the classical stuff. This whole like fairy tale, like we all have to have the same digital world and, you know, Swift has to be over the entire world. It's just horseshit. I don't care if, you know, Venmo doesn't go into Russia. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect 95% of Americans.
0: And it wouldn't actually affect the people that own Venmo and want to profit from Venmo if they didn't care about being part of this strange system. There's no lack of money that their CEO would be able to make. You know what I mean yeah. he's like he's not going to be able to pass down a strong inheritance just using Venmo in the United States and other countries that align with us it's it's greed it ultimately is so crazy
1: it's greed it you is know, greed they, yes. wanna, they, they want to and this is where like Paul Ryan and all of the conservatars in the freedom caucus are just wrong like greed definitely is part of the problem this is why uh, so a lot of my friends are former Bernie bros uh, who happened to be see the light of Christianity because th- greed is a real problem in the United States. And anybody who doesn't see that, are you living under a rock? Jeff Bezos' is, empire is built on greed. He wanted to be in every single industry. It's not enough for him just to be in books and electronics, he has to deliver your freaking groceries.
0: Yeah, it's and ridiculous. The problem is that that, that, that gets pushed on to that greed is a function of capitalism yeah. and it's not a function not of all. moral failing.
1: Yeah. I mean, China and you have greed everywhere. Greed everywhere is present in any economic system. And
0: greed uh, is present in the homeless communities, like <laughs> down the street for real. Right. Like yeah. there are people in the homeless community that are greedier than the other people. And they'll take advantage of them if they have the power to do so. It's just human nature.
1: Yeah. It's they a moral don't believe problem in human nature. That's the thing. Me and you (laughs) believe in human nature. And some people believe in human nature but don't believe humans are fallible. And I think that the best dividing line in American politics today is not whether you're black or white or rich or poor. It's whether you believe original sin exists. And if you believe in original sin, we're going to agree on 80 – not you but a figurative view. If you and I believe in original sin, 80% of the political positions are going to be the same. But if you think humans are naturally good and it's society that corrupts them, we're not going to agree on much at all. Yeah.
0: I mean that's yeah, that's so crazy. It's just so crazy. I I you know, I obviously we should wrap this up and whatever. Yes, we're nine minutes. Long. But it's it's just unbelievable to me that this stuff has spread so consistently throughout society at this point. And I think it really Chris, is coming to a head. So
1: it is. We're we're gonna The train is going. I have no clue where the destination is yet, whether it's the third (laughs) great awakening or the great reset. I'm glad we didn't cover everything today because I want to come back at a later date and dedicate an entire show to Italy Gate, and the people involved and in what the present state is. I actually got a criminal referral. I was referred to the police in Italy, to the postal police three weeks ago by the family of Arturo D'Elia um so i don't know if i can go to italy anymore um, i'm not saying i'm wanted by the italian authorities but there was a complete there was a, a complaint filed to the to the national uh telecommunications and postal police about me and so there's a lot here and i'm hated by pretty much everybody involved which is good because that means i'm right over the target because i'm I not do, doing anybody's bidding, bidding.
0: i want to do coomer too yes and those coomer are kind they are connected
1: they are connected if 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 there was remote adjudication in Italy done or somebody in Italy knew about the remote adjudication being done in Frankfurt, not with the server ray, but with the CIDL servers that were in Frankfurt, then the two are connected. In fact, that's a great meme in waiting. Eric Coomer uh, butt-screwing the American flag in Italy. That's a tremendous meme, and I look forward to it being created. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well we can we can talk All about right. the specifics later and maybe i'll design it um yes. please uh tell the audience how to follow you but also how to follow marco polo and how to contribute to the cause
1: yes so very simple two th- two things you gotta remember my telegram channel is garrett michael z my name is michael garrett michael z two rs two t's and then tell our telegram channel is marco polo usa our website, which we went bare bones with, meaning we didn't pay ten grand for a .dot com domain, is support. That's it. Beautiful. Everything will be self explanatory. All right, man. Thanks well, I look
0: forward space. to uh, keeping the conversation going. Yeah, thank you, man. We've been trying to get this together for like two months, so let's, it's let's, awesome let's, that we finally did. Let's
1: do a. Let's. I hope that you have do a regular back. thing,
0: man. Anytime you want. Sure. Yes. Anytime you feel like you want to talk about something, I am absolutely here for you hundred percent of God the time. Bless. I'm
1: grateful that we, that we met and we have a good mutual friend, CJ.
0: Yes, sir, man. Thank Take you care. so much. All right, Gary. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before, like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and parlor at I'm Your Moderator. Soon, I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'mYourModerator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at Anchor.fm by searching "Be Reasonable" with your moderator Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app.